Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing The Man Who Fell From Earth, directed by Nicholas Rogue, Brazil by Terry Gilliam, Possessor by Brandon Cronenberg, we have newly released Mad God by Phil Tippett, and finally, Crimes of the Future, directed by David Cronenberg. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Mr. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Thomas Wrecker, how's it going? Uh, it's going well for me. How was your spooky week, it oh, looks like? Man. Your creepy, spooky, <laughs> spooky week. <laughs> you know, in the business, we say one for you, one for me. Uh, six Jurassic Park movies. I get to watch the movies I want for a week. So. <laughs> um, I mean, I knew about Crimes of the Future, and other than that, yeah, um, yeah. I'm just looking at some of the stills. And just the short little clips of oh, these films, yeah, yeah. and it looks bonkers. <laughs> What's his Father's Day? Like body horror and science fiction. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, and I really, I didn't know about Brandon Cronenberg, mm, Cronenberg's yeah. son, and he like is right in his father's footstep when it comes to weird. Absolutely, almost to the point that uh, the, the films are very, or the the film is very reminiscent of that. You know, like early Cronenberg work that we even covered on really? the podcast, like Scanners specifically was very reminiscent. That's pretty. I mean, that's pretty yeah. cool, really. Absolutely. I, I, I was impressed with it. So, Okay, so we're going to start with a movie that I have never heard of. And mm. it stars... Who's it? It stars... Um, David Bowie. David Bowie. We're going back to 1976, mm-hmm. The Man Who Fell from Earth. Yeah, so this is uh, from a 19, 1963 novel uh, of the same name. Uh, this film has been floating on my watch list forever, primarily for the kind of the novelty that it's uh, David Bowie's first leading role in his acting career. I mean, he's been in a handful of things, of course. Yeah. His first kind of big breakout and really defined by David Bowie specifically. So I thought does, that was interesting. Does this have anything to do with... I don't know any. Like I said, I don't know anything sure, about it. Sure. But just the man who fell from Earth. Did this kind of help his persona of, of Starman? Oh, right, right. Ziggy Stardust. Ziggy Stardust. I, I think. I mean, it's not connected to those personas, but definitely could just, play into just the very marketing. Bowie. Like yeah. the whole thing oh, is very yeah, Bowie. It's very Bowie. Absolutely. All right. So what do we have even remotely? Here? Uh, yeah. I mean, as far as uh, this, this. This story. There's also a new interpretation of the story right now uh, in show form on Showtime. Uh, I have some mild curiosity there, uh, but that's if I have any time to watch a show because there's plenty of movies to watch always. <laughs> so, uh, this movie definitely rocks. Uh, it is, uh, man, it is really got this larger than life soundtrack. Uh, there is like seven sex scenes. Uh, it's super trippy. It's just very 70s. Okay. Extremely 70s. 60s film. 
uh, if anything, holding a lot. I mean, I've never read the novel yeah. from '63, but even with a good ten plus years later, it feels like there's a lot there that um, this film just has '60s sensibility to it. it. Like I said, it definitely rocks. Uh, maybe not the the, the best thing or, or the most timeless yeah. thing for that reason. Yeah, because you, it, it being very 70s, it being very 60s, that doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Yeah, it's kind of hard to take seriously in parts for that reason as okay. well. But, you know, uh, sometimes those time capsules work. I think, generally speaking, this does work. Uh, and primarily it's because I think the film probably had a lot of budget restraints and is still trying to sell a sci-fi story. So we experience the science fiction instead of prop work or set work or special effects through different means. Okay. And I think that's creative, for instance. So the man who fell from Earth, what exactly were we getting? Because one yeah. can only can assume right, right. the main premise. <laughs> yeah. Right. So basically it is an alien that falls to Earth. This is played as cool as ice David Bowie. I mean, this he is he is just such a presence on screen. Okay. Like, really cool. This alien falls to Earth. We don't even necessarily see the impact directly, and his goal is to very simply get back to his home. What's brilliant about this film, and definitely the the main highlight, is that we experience this film through the alien's heightened experiences, uh, through its heightened uh, visual and audio type of uh, processing uh, of how uh, how he experiences life on Earth. So there's a big stream of consciousness. Uh, sometimes we're zooming into cattle driving by the other times we're, we're jumping forward 15 years in technology it's it's all over the map okay is it like first person like are we inside like no is the camera acting as david bowie's no, eyes at no, times no. More, more so in just how certain scenes are portrayed okay, i got you uh yeah okay uh and uh, david bowie does uh, a pretty decent job uh in addition to david bowie uh we have the actor rip torn uh who we'll know from men in black he's the uh, uh who, who's the commissioner I, he's not k i forget his his, his uh, single letter yeah, it's, it's I KJ. Think we know him as K. K right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think Tommy Lee Jones is K. So he's J? No, no. He's, he's, he's the big commissioner. Yes. Yeah, that's Rip Torn. He's not, isn't he also the, uh, in Dodgeball? He plays the drunk coach? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a minute since <laughs> I, I know saw Dodgeball. Much. I guess Dodgeball's on the coming week. <laughs> yes, it better be. <laughs> but anyway, Rip Torn is in it. Uh, yeah, and he's he's basically our main supporting. He plays a professor and kind of gets uh, obsessed with uh, with Bowie as an as this, you know, he's not known to be an alien. Uh, he assumes life as a a engineer, a businessman, and is radically changing society around himself because he's clearly at you know such a higher level as an alien. Mm-hmm, okay, he's creating new things. He's he's developing patents. He's making a huge amount of money and there's a lot of enjoyment in that and then through Rip Torn's character's eyes we kind of get obsessed with Bowie's character but also try to unravel how is this man you know being so prolific right. and, and revolutionizing things around him so there's some pressure from the state hmm. for that reason they think he's a spy you know there's, there's a lot of predictable elements there but it's all enjoyable the highlight is because we experience what presumably the alien experiences, which is this stream of conscious jumping around and not many things are meaningful to him. Okay. And the camera is only on certain things. It's only on things that really stand out to him among the main mundaneness uh, of human life, which is an interesting way to cast a sci-fi. It's it's a cool storytelling Yeah, and technique. a different way to shoot it as well. Just mm-hmm. Cinematography holds up. 
Absolutely. Oh, okay. That's the main brilliance. It, it's in two ways. Uh, the pacing is very demanding. Um, mm. It's stream of conscious. A perfect example of this, we go from, in the very beginning, from a cla- crash landing to him being a hobo scrounging for cash to then him in a full suit talking to patent lawyers about mm. something revolutionary tech-wise. Okay. So that's quite literally the progression of scenes, which is demanding it's like what the hell is going on but that's those these are the small moments that matter to the alien because they're actually significant yeah so okay that's pretty cool yeah and there's big time jumps as well in that okay and is it breezy for that reason it's two hours and 19 minutes so it's a little lengthy Mm. but does it move at a good clip uh it does uh, there's a lot of fat to be trimmed, and we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there's, there's, like I said, it's a very 70s, very... This movie rocks, but is a little goofy for okay, that reason. Right. <laughs> Another way that we experience this, um, you know, this sci-fi through the alien's eyes is there'll be jumps of times where he's just surrounded with new tech. Mm-hmm. People have aged out of nowhere. I mean, we're talking like a scene that someone is like 20 years old, and then the next scene, they're like 35. Uh, so there's a weird stream of consciousness that it maybe feels disconnected, but we're really only dipping into the story through the alien's eyes, which okay. I think is just such a cool way to present this. You know, this is a sci-fi not because of we see a lot of blasters and space and technology. No, it's a sci-fi because this is how an alien is processing human experience uh, in a way. That's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's something Very different unique. and unique. Oh, yeah. extremely yeah. unique. You know, we always talk about it with sci-fi, I'm always hunting for that next Solaris. I'm always hunting for, yes. you know, the next deep cut sci-fi. Why uh, has this been the diamond in the rough completely? Exactly. Where has this been in all of sci-fi? Exactly. Why is this not a bigger so, movie? Okay. Uh, this this week, I, I, you know, again, this is on my list forever. Want to give it a shot. So the camera work is, is very bold. It's very 70s. There's kind of no rules to it that we're <laughs> zooming around everywhere. It's, it's, it's very 70s. Um, but I think, again, it, it um, illustrates the heightened uh, senses, the heightened vision, the heightened sound, uh, and is very trippy in ways uh, intentionally because okay. we're it, the film's goal is trying to almost put us in the front seat or put us in the shoes of the alien, like you were saying, yeah. first person. Mm-hmm. What is this? How would this alien experience human society at the time then? So uh, I got to say uh, the B plot with Rip Torn is a little bit confusing at the start of it. <laughs> He's basically crossing paths with Bowie's company, uh, the alien's company, through kind of an obsession, but he's a professor just having sex with students like left and right. I like <laughs> I, There are like seven plus sex scenes in this, and listen, I'm no prude, but it was like, I, at the seventh, it was it, honestly, it was just like, this is, this is some yeah. of the fat that can be cut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like I said, this movie definitely rocks, but uh, it's, you know, I mean, come on, you know, it's, it's, it's a little hard to, to recommend uh, when so much time is just dedicated towards these scenes with music. It's a very heavy soundtrack. Is um, that what you kept on saying? It rocks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It rocks because it's like, it's just trying to have a good time. Okay, okay all right. <laughs> uh, There's obviously, uh, soundtrack-wise, I would imagine David Bowie has an influence to the soundtrack choices sure. and these yeah. trippy yeah. sections. 
you know, there's a lot there. But 30 minutes in, I got to say, this film was a, a tough pill to swallow because the Bowie sections are very interesting, but this B-plot with Rip Torn, he's just having sex with, with his students. <laughs> and it's like, why are we focusing on this? You know, um, Like not adding to the story yeah, of any importance. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bowie's having fever dreams, seeing him uh, in these relationships with his students. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a little tough. <laughs> a little tough to follow along. But I, I would just say the, the sex scenes themselves, I, I think it plays into the message this film has that there's a fascination with society at the times. This is supposed to be either oh. sex, 60s or 70s. It's shining a light on... Yeah, the sexiness of seventies exactly, and such the yeah the renaissance going on. I yeah, guess you yeah. could say yeah, exactly. In that, you know, I I think it's an interesting time capsule. Does it make for a great movie? Does it make a movie that you could definitely trim some fat? Sure. I, yeah. I think even with you know, again, we're talking seven plus scenes dedicated yeah. to this, and it's two hours and twenty minutes. Exactly. So, so I th- I think by that seventh one. I, I was like, wait, again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, so I get it, you know. But yeah, I, I think that that's where it's a little bit hard to recommend in modern day. We're definitely having um, the, the, the time capsule element is a positive to it, but it's also kind of hurting its rating as far as what I'm going for, if, if that makes I, sense. I think that, wor- well, it, it should. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it actually sh- it should. I, I think uh, my dream project here would be a ultra slimmed down version of it focused more on Bowie being this this prolific businessman, this engineer, mm-hmm. uh, developing patents and humanity just scratching their head and saying, how do we keep up with this guy? This guy is a, you know, huge revolutionary to yeah. society itself. You know, his company is is developing new processes and 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 really taking over everything. So when it comes to that, I I I, I think there is some morbid curiosity, like I said again, even post-watching this, of that Showtime show. I think there could be – it's a really novel concept to yeah. have this alien come, and guess what? He's now taking over society itself. Being, and you, yeah, you could absolutely stretch that for seasons as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And just build on that plot. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Uh, and that's aside from the actual sci-fi nature of him trying to get back to his home planet. Right. So uh, I think there was a lot here to love again – Without many special effects, we have, uh, or, or without many special effects doing the heavy lifting like a sci-fi story would, right. we have this film being very unique in trying to craft a an experience through Alien's eyes. And I think certainly, you know, while this is a unique film, uh, there's a bit too much fat to trim. Uh, I think that kind of uh, levels out my love for this, but I think this was very stylized and a and a good time. We're going to go ahead and give The Man Who Fell to Earth a 68. Ooh, 68. That's a, that's a pretty damn good story. Absolutely. Score. I, and because I think it, it's it's so unique for how they decide to present you know this and experience. It's, and it's not... The, the shooting of the film isn't so... Is it like... Again, some of these stills and some of those short videos, yeah. it looks crazy. <laughs> Even men who fell from Earth. That's what I'm saying. Yes, oh, really? oh, that's what I'm talking about uh, I thought specifically. You were referring to some of the other movies. Well, that too. Yeah. I would, but <laughs> but it's but it, it keeps it together enough, even for a modern day watch. Those seventies mm-hmm. shots, yes. where it's like bleed seventies. Mm. It's still some. It's really. I, I it's like okay. the trippiness because the trippiness always has kind of either social commentary or okay. you know, the, and and probably, I kind of like that. It, it puts you in the atmosphere too. 
yes. of weird. And yes. it's a sci-fi, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, as far as the alien itself, he is weird, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I, I think I think it's it's some good follow-through. I think follow-through would be the the word I would want to describe its style with substance. Okay, you know? very good. And a 68, I think, marks that just fine. Yeah, and, and certainly we will talk about style and substance pretty much in every entry, <laughs> whether they do that well or not. So. Okay, all right. Well, let's go on to wacky film number two, I guess. <laughs> uh, again, a film I don't think I've heard. No, I did. I have heard about this before in just like past research or yes, something like yes. that. This is now 1985 that we're in. Mm-hmm. This is the film was just called Brazil. Mm-hmm. The director is uh, Terry Gilliam. Uh, I I don't. What is this about? Uh, sure, yeah, uh, and and. What I can say out of the gate is that, uh, I mean, in a lot of spaces, uh, this film is is considered or referred to as a masterpiece in sci-fi dystopia. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, and this was on my list forever because I look at this and I say... Is this really a masterpiece? So I, I was I was excited to dive into so, this one and, and like fresh eyes, like yes. not even oh, like yeah. years I've ago seen, have seen it. Oh, right? yeah. Okay, this is uh, fresh out of the gate. I think a great way to introduce this film is through the director Terry Gilliam's work. His work includes Monty Python and the Holy Grail, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Complete One Eighty Two, Twelve Monkeys, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So a common factor in all of those is that. Very, very different genres a lot of the times, but there's always a comedic spin. And there's uh, always yeah. a dash of the surreal in these films. And I think that is the elevator pitch here. It is sci-fi, it is dystopia, it is surreal, uh-huh. but it is also probably the 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 big umbrella genre is a comedy first, honestly. It is really it is the very overarching... British in its comedy and uh, yeah. Uh, so can I just run to, I'm really impressed by the cast. Yes. Like really impressed. <laughs> yeah. We have Jonathan Price, I'm assuming, is playing the main. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then there's Robert De Niro, Catherine Hellman, who plays Deborah's mom and everybody loves Raymond. Yeah. Um and then my <laughs> wow. boy and then Ian Holm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian Holm's great. So the cast is huge. Oh yeah. And uh, everyone is really, I mean, playing, maybe Ian Holm is is playing into more of his kind of manic, you know. He honestly reminded me of uh, his character in Big Night uh, a little bit. (laughs) Oh, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) But, like, talk about a... Showing some range uh, for Robert De Niro. I mean, this is a very oh. unconventional role for Robert De Niro, and he's great in it. Well, yeah, me... you don't you don't think Brazil and Robert De Niro uh, again? Yeah. I never really. I don't. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say though, eyes on this film. This film is phenomenal. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I was in love, wow. and believe me, I was going in. If anything, kind of like, all right, let's skeptical. Let's, yeah. Why have if it's so good? Why have I not seen exactly. this? Exactly. Yeah. Bingo. R- nail on the head, Tom. Brazil is like a satire George Orwell story. Uh, think like 1984, run by morons, uh, and that's where a lot that's of the, where comedy, the comedy comes yeah, from. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the bureaucracy is at the level of total government op- opposition or uh, oppression uh, but literally everyone's an idiot so uh, that, oh. that, that is that is really the the elevator pitch for this and I think it it executes great on it when it comes to this uh, it, it really makes a funny film uh, but like most satire, really does have some bite. We follow Sam Lowry, played by Jonathan Price, a pencil pusher in the Ministry of Information. Sam is bored to tears with his life, and primarily this film has an A-plot dealing with the reality of the Ministry of Information and Ministry of Truth and very 1984 
style uh, concepts. And then daydreaming about a noble quest that we actually see him kind of being pushed into delusions, pushed into adventure by this. Uh, and uh, very interesting because we have a very sci-fi plot in, in A plot and B plot when we go to daydreaming inside Lowry's head it really turns into a full-on fantasy, and it's just like, wow, mm. this is just juggling so much. Uh, it's a very impressive film for that reason. And it's balancing it well. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's dancing along that edge of the knife. Absolutely. Cool. I think, uh, honestly, the what makes it digestible is that it is a comedy. We're never in the point that we're taking it too seriously. If, if okay. you go into this and you understand that it's That's all good. for some jokes, even as drastic as some some style turns may be, it's all kind of for a joke. It's all for this kind of satire of, of uh, you know, George or- Orwellian kind of state society. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it, it is very interesting. I mean, these delusions really drive Lowry into a lot of situations. Every situation has uh, a procedure. Every procedure has paperwork. It's extremely bureaucratic. <laughs> I think that's really where the comedy is so British around it because, you know, it feels... Yes. It just feels uh, not Monty Python-esque, but... I guess for a lack of a better description, that that's kind of in the same way. You know, it's 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 dry humor, but they're you know I'm not slapping my knee over yes. this thing, but uh, it is all very consistently funny. It's very humorous. Exactly. It's a humorous film. Perfect. Okay, yeah. gotcha. All right. Absolutely. Uh, my recommendation for this one boils down though to the visual design. It is a must see. I really want to condense this because I can go on and on about the visuals in this film. I really loved really? it. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, amazing sets. I kid you not, the tech is perfectly stylized. Uh, there's such a relentless design every, everywhere. None of it looks dated because every inch of this world is designed for this satire. You know, it's designed to oh, so deliver it, kind of a visual comedy to the to the world. Right. Um, it's building a world and it's playing in that world. Exactly. So it's like believable in a sense. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and it's believable in, in the type of jokes they want to tell. You know, their computers are typewriters, but they have little screens and magnifying glass over the little screens and everyone's squinting and trying to, <laughs> you know, the computers don't work well. Almost every shot looks like a futuristic Art Deco painting. Uh, Cinematography-wise, we're always shooting our characters looking up at them. So we get these great shots of just... We really appreciate the architecture of the sci-fi world. I mean, there's a lot of miniature work done here. It is very, very impressive um, and, wow. and just a, a delight to watch. We also familiarize ourselves with this totalitarian world through posters on the walls uh, and propaganda. And there's always a cartoonish joke to each one of these posters uh, in, in, in how this world works. You know, report on your friend. You know, don't uh. think, report. You know, there's, you know things <laughs> like fun. that. Yeah. Uh, but it's just why I put so much credit in it, into it is just it is relentless. It is over every inch of this film. There is not a single mundane shot or set. It is that all isn't detailed like, and careful. Oh yeah, this is what you love about Verhoeven, where mm. with um, world building. Oh, absolutely. And, and they just did it in Spades here. Mm, absolutely, that's great to see detailed down to those things. Posters mm-hmm. in the background. Mm-hmm. That's what makes a film. That was what would make it for me. Or put, absolutely put it over the edge at least. Yeah, and, and and more than anything, I think where this even steps apart from someone like Verhoeven, it's not being pushed in your face like a commercial like Verhoeven. Oh, would use. sure, yeah. It's there if you want it, and I think that's a lot of the subtle brilliance of this film. It's so there if you want to appreciate the, it. The keen eye will reward you even more. Exactly, yeah. bingo, bingo. Yeah. I, I think you know honestly, just the 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 dream sequences is going to top off what I'm talking about visually here. Uh, Sam. Dip- 
dips in and out of daydreaming throughout this film, and it, like I said, it almost turns from a sci-fi to a fantasy, and you, you, you'd think that, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a lesser film, I would say, oh, this is whiplash, this, this feels terrible, you right. know, back and forth, for how drastic things go. Uh, it is because every inch of this film is designed. There's not a single mundane set that, when we go to sci-fi to fantasy, it's on the same level of production, and it really just melts hmm. so well. There's follow-through on that design of the film, which is, man. It, it's dedication to the idea of the film. Oh, yeah. And yeah. to the spades, it sounds like. Absolutely. Which is awesome. Uh, if, if my, my pitch for it, I mean, a for a story about daydreaming, mm-hmm. the dreamlike features of this film are flawless. Uh, it really is great. Oh, yeah. okay. I was, uh, <laughs> I folks at home. I I told Tom, I watched two of these movie, uh, two movies this week twice, and Brazil was one of them, and well deserved. <laughs> uh, I was very very pleased with this. Um, I'll, I'll move along quickly because I don't want to rant forever. But let's talk about some of that cast. Standout is absolutely Robert De Niro. He plays like a <laughs> <laughs> mechanic vigilante like <laughs> i love it i because, love it because like the state runs everything lowry has a problem with his uh, air conditional unit and <laughs> robert de niro plays harry tuttle who is like this mechanic vigilante he's just like yeah i'll do the job for free just don't call the state you okay <laughs> it's it's fantastic he's so good that's awesome and he's like it's totally enjoyable. like not a de niro character like it's it's no to be in a movie like this absolutely oh, yeah. not it's never talked about i know i know it's his percentage in the film not that much not that much he's more of like a punchline he'll just show up out of nowhere okay uh, is he is, is he in this more than what he was in in, in the untouchables um because in the actually yes and in the untouchables he made his impression with being in like oh yeah like two scenes three scenes yeah yeah i absolutely uh, so bigger percentage than that and and obviously you know folks take a look at the must watch section de niro obviously is a fan fave you know (laughs) so maybe there's some bias there but uh, he really does play i was surprised just how much of a a non-role de niro it's like he had fun with it too maybe absolutely yeah absolutely good to know like i said already ian holmes uh great he plays kind of a emotionally abusive boss, but then is needing support emotionally. Like it's it's, it's very manic. It's it's great. Um, most of all, uh, the character writing is on point. You know, our main lead, Sam, is a bureaucrat. He solves problems by being a bureaucrat. Mm-hmm. He's in a tough spot. He's like, uh, do you have a receipt for that? Uh, do you have a section form for this? And it works. You know, we go back to Jurassic Park reviews. I mean, scientists being scientists yeah, in the yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a bureaucrat. He solves problems as a bureaucrat, which is awesome, you know? It's uh, just very good writing. I, I think part of the reason why we see him daydream so much, and this being the B-plot, is because, you know, he's just... He's having these delusions of grandeur because the world is just tied down to such a monotony. You know, okay. He really does hate the world he's a part of. And uh, I think maybe that could be said, hey, you know, that's kind of the the plot of any kind of 1984-style t- story. But it's done so well because it's all for a comedic spin. It's really, really great. Okay. I would say the depiction of the future is relentless, uh, uh, really hits on a lot of great points, uh, constant stimulus as far as screens, constant reliance on screens. There's a huge uh, dig into cosmetic surgery. There are posh doctors using corrosive acid to melt faces younger, and like it's cool stuff like that. 
So <laughs> I, I think uh, the why I touch on that is the humor is always very cynical. You know, there technology, there is more convenience than ever, but all the technology is on the fritz. You know, it, there's always a spin right, right. to That's that. That's good. That's good. Um, this film, though, was honestly an experience, and I do not say that lightly. Uh, I thought long and hard about this, including two viewings we did this week. I only did that for one other, which was Crimes of the Future, uh, and that was needed more for, for retention, kind of understanding what the hell was going on. <laughs> this was for pure enjoyment, uh, and I don't think this film has any peers. Uh, I don't think there are any there's any media that tries to imitate its style and there's certainly that nothing matches it in tone uh, there is care there is detail there is artistry and is without a doubt a must watch oh my gosh we're gonna go ahead and give brazil an 87 whoa seven yeah it was phenomenal that is okay that's big boy alert i had no big idea boy alert. <laughs> i do I, <laughs> I had big boy alert in my notes so i was like all right i gotta wow. i gotta Gonna play, that, play it sly that a little is bit. a shock. I, it was a shock to me what as well. What was the last time we had an 80s? What was the last time we had a big boiler here? Mm. I mean, that's unbelievable. Maybe Fargo. Fargo. That was, was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, it was a while ago. Wow, uh, Brazil at an eighty-seven percent. Okay, yeah. folks, yeah. watch it. It's, it's so what it's, you're saying is this even for the wackiness, for the mm-hmm, craziness, mm-hmm. even for this dry humor type of thing, this mm-hmm. this weird dystopian world that we're in. Mm-hmm. It, it's still for a huge audience. Uh, I think so. And I think it's because the comedy is so relentless because it's everywhere in the design. So something that I maybe found funny, I think other areas of the film might hit for other people. You know, it's just, it's not shoving right. like jokes and punchlines in your face. Almost every inch of the screen is a punchline in some way. Right. And I think there's just such follow through with that. I freaking love it. That's yeah. 87 is great to have. Absolutely. You must have been... A happy camper. Yeah, happy <laughs> Happy camper watching that, especially yeah. going into it, being like, "Oh, what are we getting here?" Oh yeah, and that and that's where I can't stress. I mean, if, if folks at home, if you think maybe the eighty-seven is generous, even after watching this, understand that like I was really going in critical, and yeah. I was swooned over. You had you, you had know. your knives out. Oh yeah, ready to go I was ready to film. call this you know K mutiny. Yeah, I was going to say the K mutiny effect. <laughs> K mutiny syndrome. That um, was great. Damn. So, okay. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was a great time, uh, and uh, uh, I'm glad we had a weird week to touch on it. I'm glad I, I happened to scroll yeah, past it, fit, it, fit it on one great. of my lists. Absolutely, fit in great in Absolutely. this week. Uh, with that said, we're going to be jumping ahead here a decent amount. That was 1985. We're jumping to 2020. Mm. Uh, again, uh, this is David Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, do we know how many films he's he's done? Is this is this basically his biggest? That- I think he's done one other feature release, but this is definitely his biggest, okay. uh, both directing and writing here. Okay, and this is Possessor. And what do we have with Possessor? How does you know how, how does his son do? Here, yeah, I, I think it's just it, it was so cool to have this unique opportunity to not only see the return of of Cronenberg as a director for I think like a ten year hiatus, and yeah. not only that, check out his son in it in his directing and writing. Possessor is definitely an on-ball. Like I said, uh, you know, even in the, um, when we were chatting earlier, uh, very reminiscent of early Cronenberg work. Uh, I would say probably the best comparison is Scanners specifically. Okay. Uh, Which was early. Pod- if, hey, you oh, yeah. listen to the podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. Might not sound as good. But. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Possessor is a sci-fi thriller. We follow uh, Tessa Voss, uh, played by Andrea Riseborough. Yep. Uh, she was in Mandy. She was in Birdman. I think she was in Black Mirror. Um, good actress. She is a future corporate assassin, which is pretty cool. Ooh. She possesses her hit targets by not only studying them and kind of social engineering them, but then actually using a machine to take control of their body to possess them directly. Interesting. Um, and all of this is used for this kind of world of corporate assassination uh, in the future. It's very, very cool. I love the premise here. Do we know the year um, this is taking place in? Uh, uh, un- undisclosed okay. year. Also, the tech itself as well. Some of it's old-fashioned, some of it's new, so it definitely kind of the bizarro world okay, sure. effect of definitely all of Cronenberg's are, are, work. Is, are we in modern, <laughs> are, we, are we in like the world? Yes. Like we're yes. in cities that we know? Uh, yes, okay. yes. Vague cities, but yeah, absolutely. Okay, gotcha. Probably in Toronto or something like that. Okay, okay cool. <laughs> you know, Toronto, the home of corporate assassination. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's 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 interesting. The story introduces us with a quick hit and then locks us into the main assassination that for the you know the rest of the runtime, uh, a lot of time is dedicated to the psychological stress of this possession machine Mm -hmm. um, on both sides, who's being possessed and the possessor, uh, which is interesting. What is missing from all this is any kind of religious angle. I mean, you hear possessor, and you're thinking, you know, maybe something supernatural or something spiritual. That is completely missing from all this. Yeah, it didn't pop through my head, but, you know, I'd only known about the film for... (laughs) (laughs) Half an hour, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at max, at max. It's a, it's a very cool premise. Cool as ice, but unfortunately has some really slow pacing in the first hour. Um, it's only an hour and 43 only. Yeah, and I mean yeah. that. The okay. first solid hour. That okay. last 45 minutes is certainly a, a, a spiral in a good way. Yeah. But uh, that first hour is just very slow. Um, because the body swap is the whole point, we wind up spending more time with our victim or the hit target as the actor uh, than we do with the actress that is our lead. With the actual um, assassin herself. Exactly. Okay. Uh, that plays a little bit into performance, uh, but it definitely plays into kind of a disassociation we have with the characters. I, I, I don't... Uh, watching this film, as cool as it is, mm-hmm. I don't really give a damn about anyone. Uh, and it's primarily because we spend so much time with the hit target it's it's a little tough as far as engagement in the script. Okay, um, I, I believe definitely a few knocks for that. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and hard to hard to recommend because there's nothing really you know you're not really rooting for either side. All sides are kind of real messy, uh, and maybe that's the point of the film. I think that's absolutely has to be you know part of the maybe the commentary of corporate assassination that this film wants to tackle you know? right right uh, yeah it's 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 interesting um as far as what we're looking at with this engagement there's just not enough of a hook to either side it's also just too slow for its own good um much in his father's footsteps the practical effects work is great uh we have uh some interesting psychedelic sequences when they first go into this possession machine Mm -hmm. with wax work which was like when do you see wax being used? That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, and that's it's like very melty cool. and it's trippy. It's very cool. Also, gore uh, is clocked to eleven. I mean, this is a oh, gory film. <laughs> uh, so much so that there's an uncut version uh, that I did briefly check out, and I would say maybe even shy away from the uncut version. It's that much. Uh, yeah, it's, it's that heavy duty. 
It should know, all these are rated R. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Mad Dog, Mad God, Mad Dog, Mad God doesn't really have much of a rating. To yeah, it's kind that's of a, in the sweetness, but definitely is a rated. Yeah. yeah. More so, so just even dis- disturbing elements. So the amount of gore in this uncut would potentially be NC-17. Yeah, there's one like, scene that I saw is just like, yeah, this is a little bit. It's a little too much. Almost. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's good that it was cut out then. Yeah. Because you want you want audiences to you know continue the ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the toxic mix here is that as as cool as the visuals are, as as uh, the psychedelic emotional inner inner type of sequences that we get with it. Yeah. Very good looking. It's a very good looking film as well. And it obviously understands the premise of this world. It's very creative in this world. But the problem with the gore is that it really just washes over you. There's so much of it. And we have hmm. such little engagement with our characters that when some, when, when maybe like a serious death comes along, we're like, okay, it's just like one of a, of like a crazy spiral. and Desensitized to it, yeah. yeah. Uh, 100% desensitized, uh, and also just not engaged with our characters. Right. Which I can't is not say good. I That's cared about any of the deaths. Uh, I, I find it very similar to Scanners in that way, that we have a very interesting premise, a world that it creates of mm-hmm. its own, um, but maybe not the biggest ties to what exactly the peop- the players on screen are doing. Right. You know what okay. I mean? Like I said, my, my note is that you just cannot root. Everyone is kind of unredeemable in this film, which <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting, you know. Again, it's it's definitely trying to this these these corporate overlords, these puppeteers to the assassinations. They're definitely bad guys. Yeah. So that is kind of the point. But um, everybody's kind of a bad guy. Yeah, everyone's kind Which of. Which is guy. very Cronenberg. A yeah. Little bit. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. A cool premise, uh, great trippy psychedelics, or, or or even the psychological visuals, mm-hmm. I should say more more specifically, but it's missing a hook and maybe missing some electricity as well. Uh, in ways, I, I think he's following in the footsteps as his father. You know, it's very enjoyable to watch in its own right, but you're not getting a huge amount of substance. We're going to go ahead and give Possessor a 63. 63, okay, hey, it's out of the 50, I mean, that's a, it's a good movie, yeah. but very specified for an audience, yeah. basically. You gotta, and, you gotta be into this one, yeah. or into the genre, at least. There's There's been some watches recently that uh, I, I feel like the 60s, in general, those 10, it, it's it's such a sweet spot for when style is is the, the main highlight of a film, and the substance isn't there, because I still think it's a good time. I wouldn't necessarily classify it as a great film, though. You no, know, that's the style perfect. is I mean, you know, above average. Scanner's basically. got a sixty-seven. Oh, or, really? I'm sorry, sixty-nine. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that there probably makes go. sense a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a, a good show for Brandon Cronenberg. And maybe he, maybe he wants to stand alone on his own, and probably mm. hates being compared to his dad constantly. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm but at sure. the same time, it, I mean, yeah. you did go and make a movie just like him, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's surprising. It's, it really is like a 2020 Cronenberg. Yeah, film. the comparisons are going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you just yeah. can't get away from. Okay, so that's 63% for Possessor, and that wraps up our previously released films, folks, and we're going to move on to our next two now in theaters, but before then, we're going to take a break here just to thank our producer of the show, and we do have a producer, an executive producer, absolutely, and it's a producer we've had before. This is Brandon Beebe coming back again. He's coming back. And we thank him so much, Brandon, that he tried to donate when the site wasn't working. Right. Yep. And he tried and tried and tried. Then he finally got through. So we appreciate when he was able to get through. And here he is a second time. And his note that he wrote in is actually pretty great. So first he donated 30, uh, $36. Oh, wow. So, Brandon, thank you for that uh, for that value. Absolutely. He, he found that valuable and what the value he's getting. He gave back to us, which we, which we thank. But also his note, folks, so... 
Last week we had a big we had a big episode on Jurassic Park series, <laughs> and Brandon also read the books, and so he wanted to kind of like shed some light on what the deal was oh, with the I books love compared it. to the movies and everything like that. So Vin, you can also help pair things with the movie. Sure, Keep sure. Us up, but uh, Brandon says, "Hey, uh, here to give you more info on the Jurassic films from someone who read the novels. Hammond, who is uh, uh, yes. played by Attenborough mm-hmm. and the main guy." Um, core of it all right who created Jurassic Park Hammond dies in the first novel Um, the Lost World novel was a rescue mission and JP3 and stopping Biosyn the rival company from stealing uh, the dino eggs in Mm. Jurassic Park 2 that makes sense does that make sense and Biosyn is among many of the corporates, uh, corporate ends that that want to you know get in on the dino action, okay. basically. And then so Malcolm Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. has to has to go to the second island to rescue a friend that is studying the dinos because the Costa Rican government was worried about weird <laughs> skeletons washing up on shore. That has nothing to do with the movie. Right? Uh, I don't think so. I, I would like a maybe you know governments getting involved. I think that would be. But that explains experiment. at least why he's involved. Right? Yes. Yeah. That makes a little bit more sense. Okay. Yeah. At the end, they discover the dino. Have been eating food with a disease that affects the brain and it shortens their lifespan. This explains why they can build the park in Jurassic World 1 on the original island, the same from mm. Jurassic Park 1. The original park is fenced off, and you see some of it in JW1, which we talked about. Yes, you said yeah, you see yeah, remnants there's, there's, of it. Yeah. And he said, last last fact, um, in 1997, both novels, uh, Jurassic Park and The Lost World, were combined together and renamed Jurassic World. AKA the title for your second trilogy, mm. which is I love it. Yeah, we had no idea. That's great. Even my research, I didn't. I saw that uh, the Lost World was like a, a early 1900s novel, oh. where Jurassic <laughs> Park was from 1990. So it was another novel, though. That's great. So, oh, anyway, Brandon says, uh, "Sorry, uh, sorry, so long, but just shows why, why books are better than movies." Which, uh, uh, agreed, absolutely. Well, no, it isn't, well, we can't say that. It's a movie <laughs> podcast here. For God's sakes. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, long note. No, that was to the point and. I Perfect, yeah. Perfect, informative. Brandon. Absolutely informative. So, Brandon, we thank you for that note. And we just want to say, like, obviously you're getting value from the podcast and you are, you know, our biggest producer of this show. So we thank you for that and we appreciate you're getting value enough or you're sending value back to us. Also, folks, you know, if you have a note like this where it's actual content, that alone is you being a producer. Oh, so for sure. You can you can reach us at the daily ratings at Gmail. Uh, dot com and so you can email us and if you have something that you think is important for us to know yep. or that the listeners or uh, well people who listen and other producers get out of this mm-hmm. that's huge and, and we're not going to read every single note that anyone emails us because mm-hmm. that's not how it works you know you have to donate if you definitely want to get it read but if we think it's valuable that alone is going for the value for value oh, model for sure so again that and that's what it is if you're finding value in the podcast and in the website. Uh, can you send us some value back? Now, we ask that you – it's monetary-wise. Mm-hmm. You go to the donations tab at thedailyratings.com, and you can write in a note and donate. But if you truly just have some information, sure. hey, if you could email us, and, and we'll read it, man. We'll give, you, we'll give you a shout and everything like that. So, Brandon, I mean, this is a twofer. You gave us money and a phenomenal content <laughs> note. So we appreciate you so much for that. You are the executive producer of this episode and a producer of the Daily Ratings as a whole. Brandon, we thank you so much. If, again, for folks yeah. at home, it, it's thedailyratings.com. Head to the donations tab if you like what 
what you're hearing and seeing, uh, please, could you give us back some value? Yeah. We always talk about watching the movies just for what they are, but sometimes that background knowledge, especially when tying into novels and whatnot, that is valuable. It is. Uh, and we don't is... have necessarily the time. I can do some yeah. stuff on the fly, but you know, mm-hmm. the biggest thing is while we're here, we watch the film and here's what the film's about. Exactly. You know, exactly. Is it worth your watch or is it not? And here's the score. Mm-hmm. But getting into the weeds a little bit is great, especially for a big episode like the Jurassic Park series. Sure. It's, we it's, even touched on it with the uh, uh, Fantastic Beast episode. I think one of the pluses of ah. that franchise was no novel baggage. So, right. But sometimes right. that can enrich an experience. So I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. So again, Brandon, thank you so much for being a producer of this show. For all you other producers or future producers, dailyradius.com to the donations tab. Okay. All right. That's enough with that. Let's move on to our In Theaters Now films, Vin. We're going to start with Mad God, <laughs> and it's weird. It, I mean, such a weird movie. It, it's been av- available to some audiences or f- festivals or something like yeah. that. Last year in 2021, it's become it's wide release mm-hmm. now. Or uh, re- uh, not, okay, I shouldn't a say shutter wide. release yes. and AMC Plus. Okay. So uh, not exactly premium, but I, I, I <laughs> more be, available than what it was before. Yeah, I think I'd be pulling my hair out if I was PR for this film. So uh, trying to find licensing partners. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's it's an oddball. And yes, oddball and no shock here didn't really know anything about it yeah, just yeah. before we sat down you were like oh this film has been worked on for 30 years mm-hmm. which which just made my eyebrows go up <laughs> yeah. um what do we have here what's what's the whole package we're getting with this yeah it's only an hour and 23 minutes uh right right uh and it, it is a stop motion primarily film i'll get into a little bit of the elevator pitch we touched on phil Tippett huh. uh with starship trooper right, who's a director yeah uh yeah oh yeah he's he's the director here. yeah and and writer yeah uh but phil Tippett is uh primarily a special effects guru in the industry we touched on him with Starship Troopers a few weeks ago with his alien designs, but uh, you name a film past the 70s, he's worked on it. I mean, we're talking Star Wars, RoboCop. He won an Oscar with his work in Jurassic Park. So, uh, oh, I mean, if anything, we've oh, been building oddly enough. That's towards. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And, and believe me, that so really So he did the close-up dinos yep, that, that yeah. you praised. Exactly. Oh, very cool. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, and recipient of one of the multiple Oscars that that film won. Right, so, yeah. First Jurassic Park. JP won. <laughs> <laughs> While on the podcast, I mean, believe me, I I'm, really didn't mastermind this, but we've been actually subtly building towards this a little bit. Phil has been making this for 30 years, folks. <laughs> we get some fringe cases like this in animation every now and again. Um, uh, there's there's a great anime called Helsing Ultimate, which has been worked on for like 11 years, you know, okay. but nothing 30. I mean, 30 is like a new high score. And basically you know? the idea of, oh, he has some free time, so he's going to work on it? Uh, yeah. Is that like how it is? Or uh, I'll, I'll get into what I think, I don't know. I, overall, I would say this movie feels like a man with toys in his basement. Ah. Yeah, working for thirty years, but that man also happens to be an Oscar-winning special effects artist. <laughs> okay, uh, so it's very good, you yeah, know. Yeah. But it does have a very personal pet project feel to it. Um, okay, honestly, everything is produced here by Phil. Uh, we have written, directed. Apparently, he started the work on this on RoboCop Two. Really, which is, uh, I mean, that that's in, that's insane to to have something like that and say, oh yeah, I I've started it around that. You know, that is crazy. Uh, yeah, it is absolutely crazy. Like I said, there is no big studio behind him here. Uh, Shutter currently owns the rights, which Shutter is like a horror specific. Oh yes, uh, add-on streaming service. You can get it added on to things. Yes, yeah. 
Uh, and I believe AMC Plus also has some shared rights. And oh, so it's not even, it's not in theaters at all, uh, or you th- can see via AMC. Yes, yes, it is. You can see it via AMC. You can see it versus Shutter, and there's some very limited local theaters. Believe it or not, uh, a theater near us, the Emmaus Theater, was running it on for last Friday. Fantastic. Yeah. Did you yeah. see it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So uh, it was. Uh, it was really. It's. It's. Its own. It's its own beast. Uh, I, I don't think you can license this thing normally uh, because of its stop motion, because of how disgusting and oh, horrific really? and weird. I mean, this is about as fringe as you get with a film, uh, which wow, is... for such a main guy, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's where I think it's a pet project that, like, he didn't care about making something, you know, digestible. Right, uh, okay. He, he was making something, you know, of uh, designs from the inner reaches of his mind, which is kind of amazing, yeah. you know, in a way. And crazy, so. it sounds like. Oh, and yeah. kind of looks like from some of the stuff I'm saying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, with the the background of the way, let's talk about the story a little bit. Um, there is not a single line of dialogue, so that's a great start. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is, uh, I would say, the elevator pitch here, it's almost like Fantasia meets Dante's Inferno. Uh, it's Fantasia in the sense that there's a lot of music, there is a lot of visuals, it's about the animation itself, also story-wise, we're kind of dipping our toe into different areas, uh, and overall the structure is kind of going deeper and deeper into hell, or like a hell-like wasteland. Interesting. There's a progression to the hellish imagery on screen as we go deeper and deeper. Uh, And that's where this kind of, this Dante's Inferno type of structure uh, comes to mind because there's definitely a progression to, we're in the eyes of a traveler, a faceless, nameless traveler. Okay. That is going in deeper and deeper into this wasteland and we're just kind of there for the ride uh, and experiencing the horrors around him. Do we feel connected to the nameless faces character? Uh, like, no. no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when, you know, some uh, there there's a moment that he gets tortured as part of the uh, the fair uh, okay. that he's around. Right. Uh, and maybe there's some empathy there, but no, there's, there's not really anything attaching <laughs> to it. Um, the stop motion here is a labor of love. Uh, it is using more traditional sets and even a lower frame rate at times uh, to clearly make up for the production of how these figures move along. You know, okay, how much sure. Phil is having to adjust these right, figures. Right, with every frame, yeah. Exactly. Um, and for that reason, I re- this really can't be compared to something like Leica Studios who would do like a Kubo or Coraline. It is not modern animation. I think this is both a good and a bad thing because it is definitely below tech-wise, and I mean like tech of the movie making itself, Mm -hmm. is definitely below what I would say as modern stop motion, but it's also like... This film feels like it's been made for 30 years. You yeah. Know what I mean, this it's was, something sp- it is special. Yeah. It's special. Uh, this film has a feel that, man, like it feels like he made it around Robocop 2. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so it, there, there's good and bad there. I hope if that sounds interesting to you, uh, maybe stop motion being used as a specific style, I think this maybe hits on a, a recommend uh, for, okay. for folks at home. I can't call it fully stop motion in this kind of. In this Fantasia setup, we're dipping into just different 
different sections of this hell world. Uh, and there is some live action uh, mixed in there oh, as well. Okay. So All it's right. not fully stop motion. When it's blended, does it look just out of place and not right? Or he does a good job at blending? I, I think that's where some of the amateurish um, uh, pieces come into play. I mean, I can't really call Phil Tippett an amateur when it comes to stop motion or special effects. Sure. But specifically with this lower frame rate the camera's clocked in at, it looks a li- almost like I was wondering what was wrong with the stream. I was almost, you know, uh, wondering oh, what okay. was wrong with the footage okay, itself sure. when real people were on yeah. the screen, when actors were. So Looks like a guy did it in his basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just Oscar winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what stands above all comparison is the design in this movie. There is a near constant barrage of gore, hellish imagery, mm-hmm. viscera on screen. Uh, it is something that honestly has to be experienced on its own and in a good way, in a very good way. Um, the visual storytelling is there to fill in the complete lack of dialogue as well. Mm. much like a Fantasia Mm. I mean I'll use something so cliche as like the Mickey Mouse broom sequence you know there's a story being told just through the visuals and the music Uh, that is where I compare this to Fantasia in the same way I mean Visuals, it couldn't be further from Fantasia or Disney. You know? right, right, I right. think Disney would have an aneurysm if, <laughs> if they try to put this on streaming. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely not a movie to eat to. <laughs> uh, in the arms race of most f- up this week, Mad God surprisingly pulls ahead uh, <laughs> out of all the of all the movies that we covered. I mean, I really didn't expect Mad God to really pull ahead. So yeah, just be warned. It was, it's yeah. not a dinner time family watch, you know. <laughs> but that's that's talk, yeah. Talk about for a specific audience, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I I think it's I think it's it's very interesting. Um, and more than anything, I was I was super excited for this film coming out because it is just so out of left field yeah. you know not only stop motion not only the craziest designs you have ever seen on screen the 30 year you know kind of the 30 year plug to yeah it, you yeah. know the, the perk almost yeah if you will that shines through which is cool yeah exactly uh, it's it's a weird piece of art. I, I enjoyed it a lot, though. The detail he puts into this design, it is in every inch of this film. Uh, debris uh, on the ground. Hmm. Um, the mechanical design. Of course, the creatures are just nightmarish, you know? <laughs> it's a visual feast. Um, yeah. In different ways than Brazil. Brazil, I felt the design was... In, in service to the message and the satire. Yeah. This is just like, how, how can we shock the audience? This is, this is and shock. It does and just that. Yeah. 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 Uh, this is a bombard, like I said, a barrage. But it follows something. It's not just like, it's not laziness, right? It's not no. just thinking of the most crazy thing and just like, all right, let's do that because it's trying mm-hmm. to shock. It's like, there's care. There's yes, there's very much. There is theming to the layers of hell. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. For instance, we go from kind of a a torture layer of hell mm-hmm. to a war themed layer. Of okay. Hell, to All right. a machinery themed. You know, uh, and, and maybe I don't want to portray it in that way because that's just my interpretation that they are layers of hell. But it's certainly hellish. Okay. So I mean, I don't. I, I'll <laughs> okay. challenge anyone to give, please, r- folks, write in. Give me a description of Matt. Yes. I'll, I'll, we'll re-edit the episode. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you know, almost on that note, I I don't think all of it has substance. Uh, there is definitely some stuff that that is just kind of messed up slash cool. There is a great visual storytelling in the world that Phil made, and I think that's 
is what's necessary for this to get a positive rating because there has to be storytelling. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we're just watching a music video. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. A very expensive 30-year music yeah. video. But no, <laughs> there is there is storytelling there. I'll end with saying in ways, uh, and, and, and much like I, I kind of hinted at already, in ways this doesn't feel like a real movie. It oh, okay, sure. It really feels like just the realized dream of a man playing with toys in his basement. Uh, and Who happens to be an, an Oscar, Oscar winner. <laughs> Puppeteer, animator, visual effects artist. I mean, a legend yeah. in the industry. And in that, I, I really root for this film because go Phil. You know what I mean? He he pulled yeah. this off. Yeah, you know? it's true. You don't get to see that too often. And especially don't get to see that in Hollywood where there's rewrites and re-edits and, and studio that's, meddling. That's where it's, th- you know, thank God for all the outlets that we do have. Mm-hmm. The How easy it is for someone to make a film in a lot mm-hmm. of ways is terrible mm-hmm. because of all of the crap that's out there. Oh, for sure. But then you have things like this that make it through the fold. Exactly. And fall through the cracks in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That make it down to us. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. I think there's, there's, a, there's a lot of positive aspect there uh i mean there are certainly segments that i can point to and say uh that looks quite amateurish but there's an oddly personal touch to this this is like you know you go to you go to your uncle's house and he's like hey i made a movie (laughs) (laughs) and it's 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 shocking and it's visceral and uh i mean it's it's almost beyond description in the ways that i can't really I can't really describe every inch of the screen uh, right. or the animation to it. It really is something that you have to see for your own, and I think it's pretty worth your time for that reason. We're going to go ahead and give Mad God a 77. Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's a very good score. I was a happy camper this week. <laughs> Would I like this movie? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think I... <laughs> 77. Great movie. You should great definitely movie. watch it. I think Maybe I, not me. I think I really want to give it that high of a rating because... It's such a it personal is feel. This yeah, is, exactly. This is art. Yeah, this is, you know, you can't really call it like a movie, but at the same time, it is Phil's vision, 100%, unrelenting vision. I think that's worth time if you're in the mood for it. Uh, and hey, that's exactly why we like to put the audio to the reviews. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, absolutely. Because if someone stumbled upon a 77 on the site, uh, I think this one definitely needs some preface to it. So. I love it. Uh, 77 for Mad God. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And a little shout out to Shudder, which if you are a horror fan, I think Shudder is a great service, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The first time I heard it was like years ago mm-hmm. uh, from um, uh, Elijah Wood. Oh, really? He was, yeah, not personally. I was like, you know, <laughs> maybe one day doing this. But no, yeah, he was like talking. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings episode. Yeah, he loves, uh, he loves horror for Elijah oh, Wood. Of loves horror. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember he was really promoting Shudder when it first became a thing. Yep. So yep. if anyone's into horror, maybe check that out. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to go to our last film, the one I'm most interested in. The only m- movie I really know anything about <laughs> on, this, on this whole freaking list. Yeah, but <laughs> lost without a paddle. But my boy's in this, you know? <laughs> Speaking of Lord of the Rings. Here we go. Maybe, yeah. Speaking of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Viggo Mortensen is in. Uh, Leah Sado, who we know as Bond Girl. Um, our girl, oh, Kristen Stewart, terrible. who we're always rooting for. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is our 2022 release. This just came out. This is Crimes of the Future. Uh, David Cronenberg, really out of retirement. Oh, yeah. The, fully. Most of Hollywood basically assumed he was out. Well, he kind of said he was like done with making sure. movies. Mm-hmm. He's in his mm-hmm. late 70s? I think so. I don't know age, but yeah. Uh, mid to late 70s, I think. A 10-year hiatus, basically. Yeah. And you know? um, this is Crimes of the Future. What do we have in? Oh, man. Uh, this might be the most Cronenberg movie he has ever made. And there's something triumphant about that. You know I mean? To come back from this hiatus and make something that is 
so Cronenberg. I mean, I'll, I'll maybe make some comparisons to other artists and auteurs in this review. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, man, it, there, there's a there's a satisfaction in kind of seeing that and uh, talk about you know striking at the right <laughs> striking at the right vein uh, doing a Cronenberg study early on the podcast. You know, I did not plan for that at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So people go back and listen to those because yeah. we did. We went through a lot of Cronenberg. Yeah, absolutely. I would say I enjoyed this movie for how messed up it was, but more than ever. Uh, hit this type of movie from him is not for all audiences. Um, I am very positive with mm. this rating, but there is a man. Um, I don't want to say trigger warning. I don't like the word trigger warning, but right, it's, right. it's 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 yeah. There's there's definitely I mean, it's gore. It's it's heavily rated R. It's heavily rated R. So uh, I don't want to really summarize this movie at all. I think uh, there is a surprising amount of answers we get from this film. Um, okay. There's not really hand-holding, but you'll, most audiences will walk away from this with a good understanding of a very science fiction world uh, and a good understanding of the overarching plot uh, and how this world operates. So I don't want to summarize it because, believe me, half, if not more, of the enjoyment is experiencing the very particular world that Cronenberg has crafted with Crimes of the Future. It okay. is a... a brand new vision of the future. This is new sci-fi. This is, this is this is how Dune was new sci-fi. This is new sci-fi. No one's done this this type of style before. It is How refreshing is that? Oh, so amazing. Especially you always on the hunt for new fr- sci-fi. Oh, Interesting sci-fi. How do you absolutely. mix it up? This is mixing it up, you'd yeah, say. Yeah. I, I, I was and, and to, so and f- happy. <laughs> to come from Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You know, after... I mean, Tarantino says you have 10 films in you and then you're done. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And for, I kind of agree with that. And right. for this guy to come back... Mm-hmm. Um, he does have another movie slated, by the way. So, Something has been triggered with him for sure. <laughs> He's got to get that money, get that check. <laughs> I, I, I want to make a. I, I want to ask you something. I don't know if you thought sure. about this much. So you say this is might be the most Cronenberg movie and everything like that. The mm-hmm. way it is, I'm interested because we're watching in the here and now. Mm. I wonder what you'd say if you grew up with him mm. and saw The Fly for the first time or saw some of those other movies for the first time. Would it have the same effect? Mm. and is it just him and that's what he does consistently, which is on its own impressive? Sure. Or do you really think that this is the most Cronenberg he's ever been? I, I think so. Which is even more so doubly impressive. Yeah, the tech is just, I mean, like no one's touched on this style. He, it's it's without peer. Um, and, and again, there's a surprising amount of answers to why the world is so weird, you know? Um, in the film, mm. it really does give us almost a, a huge amount of expedi- exposition and dialogue to to get us up to speed on why the hell the world is like this. So okay. a part of that, and, and instead of summarizing, the best thing I can do is kind of put some training wheels on this film. <laughs> <laughs> Because like you said, you watched it twice. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, this was a twice in theater, and and partly because, I mean, this was getting knocked around from Maverick to World, Jurassic World. I mean, how yeah, did this Yeah, it's getting lost survive? in the shuffle. Yeah. Not that it was supposed to be a blockbuster. Right, right. Uh, when this mm-hmm. first came in, uh, Cannes was the first to yes. preview this. Mm-hmm. And my understanding was, I was reading reports right away, in the first five minutes of this film, you had audience members walking out. Yes. However... At the end of the film, it got like a seven-minute standing ovation. Wow, seven minutes. Something like that. Yeah, That's I think wild. it was. I think it was seven minutes. Wild. So that just goes to show the polarizing of the film. Yes. And to your point, in the very beginning, this isn't for all audiences. Mm-hmm. But if you are a member who should see this, you're getting a treat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'll, I'll speak to that as well. In both of my watching in theaters, I've had two groups of people walk out. You know? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, There's. it's just... 
the beginning is just very weird, and that's not when the explanations are. The explanations come later of why it's all weird. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, yeah, the beginning is definitely we're, we're diving in. <laughs> so, He's putting you right in it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, like I said, best thing I can do is give a little bit of training wheels yes. to the plot. Um, this movie is around human evolution, uh, specifically pain receptors in our bodies becoming obsolete. A big theme here is that human evolution is going wrong. It's not going to plan. Uh, it's uh, I wouldn't say mutated, but I guess in a, in, in you know, the scientific terms, it is mutations. You know, this single factor really has a cascading effect on human society. That this it really makes a very provocative world. Um, humans without pain, our, our experience around pain mm. has become almost novel. Uh, it's be, almost become an artistry to it. We follow Vigo uh, and Leo Sadu uh, as performing artists. And that's really self-described, but performing artists. Interesting. Uh, around okay. the absence of pain. And uh, I, I would say, I mean, this... This style, I mean, it is nightmarish dy dystopia. I mean, dystopia probably could be associated with each one of these films we talked about this week. <laughs> <laughs> are, are the characters aware that it's nightmarish? How weird it is? Yeah, or is it meant to present, like, yeah, the future to you, so yes. it's weird for us? Yes, I, I think one of the best things is the characters really feel like they're part of the world, so they do not have shell shock. They are like... It's, it's not nightmares to them. It's yes. just life. It's just life. Oh, and I think okay. that's where we get the walkout effect because it's like, it's so how are they all right with this? <laughs> okay. You know? okay, gotcha. So that's where the walkout is happening. Is like, oh, our characters are, are good with this? Okay. <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, the, the extreme body horror paired with a kind of an art house society, uh, a lot of people are performing artists in this world. Mm. There's almost a, there's a, it's, it's almost, it's very future in sci-fi because it's almost post-scarcity. It doesn't seem like people need money. It doesn't seem like people care about progression. They care about art and they care about performance and it's very bold for that reason. Um, I, I enjoyed it wow. a lot for that. Wow. But it's, it's, it sells its own world. Um, uh, best comparison? Videodrome, in just the same way that you're like, ha when in human timeline did we slip down the Cronenberg crazy path? Right. That's what you're wondering about this world as well. Okay. Like, when did it go wrong? Huh? I don't know. <laughs> and I think you told me this, or maybe it was just research. He has wanted to do this film for oh really almost since the very beginning. He oh, has always awesome. wanted to do this, but he wanted it. He wanted to wait because I think the tech wasn't there yet, or to, mm. to actually give it to the audience wasn't there. Or sure, it's always just something he's always wanted to do. Apparently, I could imagine it's 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 very provocative. Yeah, uh, it's 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 a very yeah. It's 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 its own it's its own thing, uh, and I think that's that's where if I if if that's if that's true and that goes yeah. into Cronenberg, it makes sense. Props to him. I mean, this movie is. Is a uh, you know one one for one for the creators this yeah. week you know so the characters and everything like that how you're saying they're almost like performative it's all about art does this almost seem like futuristic um, human circus stuff like maybe yeah. um, almost like hey check out the amazing oh yeah you know, there is definitely. Uh... Yeah, kind of an outdoing each other in the in the, oh, okay. in yeah. the stakes of the performance. Yeah, I I think that's a good way to describe okay. it. You know, very dark. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a dark circus certainly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's 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 very interesting um, for that reason. I would say just to just to give maybe some uh, idea of the type of nightmarish dystopia. Um, again, 
I, I really do believe this film is without comparison, but you do have um, some reminiscent design of Clive Barker, who did the Hellraiser series. Okay. Uh, there's a similar type of... Uh, intensity to to what is shown on screen that reminds me of Clyde Barker's work and like I said much like Cronenberg's uh, earlier work like Videodrone uh, it's something that you're just drawn into the story for the sheer curiosity of how the world is this nightmarish and, and how our characters are all right and products of this world I think one of my favorite things about the acting and against all odds specifically for um why can't I remember? Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart is that they f- these characters feel like products of the world. They're weirdos. They're freaks. And you they know? fit. Oh yeah, they're selling it. They fit in a good way. And I, you say I, against all odds because we're always rooting for Kristen Stewart. But she, <laughs> you. She you, doesn't always make yeah, it. She yeah. did do Spencer. Yes, Spencer was good. Spencer was good. But how are all three of our main cast here? Yeah, Vigo is great. We we actually get, like I said, I'm surprised how many answers we get out of the story. Vigo, uh, he's kind of doing a detective noir thing. He's a he's an artist, okay. but he's interested in the world and how it's developed as well for his art. So a lot of the sequences, a lot of the script is dedicated to Vigo going around, meeting new people, and f- you know, not that he hasn't lived in the world for the whole time, but we're kind of at a turning point for all of this coming to a head and equally how people are interested in Vigo's performance art he's interested in how the world is developing in response to his performance art oh okay I love how deep that I mean I love how deep it goes yeah Okay. Uh, and it really is like a detect noir. If yeah. I had to, it, probably the one backbone of normalcy is yeah. that it's set up that Vigo is going around interviewing and getting big blocks of expo- exposition. Okay. You know? It kind of makes sense. I can understand why he was picked for this. One, they worked together on, uh, what did they do 15 oh, years ago? Um, Eastern Promises, Eastern Promises and a few others, I believe. Oh, as well. okay. Did, yeah. really? He had like a trilogy that he did, uh, unofficial oh. trilogy, but like, Good hell. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, but it makes sense because his Vigo's overall like demeanor and kind of his mm-hmm. silence a little bit, oh, or just yeah. how we how he is in real life. Mm-hmm. I can see how he may be good at a character like yeah. that. And we have Leah Sadu, who is oh, really phenomenal. getting a role after role she's getting lately, mm-hmm. which is I love. She's yep. great. Probably plays her most normal character too, and and refreshing because she's kind of our life uh, life raft oh. <laughs> <laughs> when, when things get a little wild. Because uh, you can okay. see, you know, even even when we get into the weirdest, she's the one like turning her head away and whatnot, and ah, it's very refreshing. Okay, um, she's a character I wanted to see on screen because I knew we were we were getting we were safe. We were a safe. Dose with Leah. of normalcy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Life raft is a great character. Yeah, that's, yeah, we should use that term more for yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I, I I think my my note across the board with the acting is that there's I I, I want to give it so much credit because for how weird the film is, or rather the world of the film is, mm-hmm. these characters feel like products of it. They are all weird. They are all you know very oddly antisocial you know again it, it's i would have to do a deep dive on the style to understand why they're a product of it but know that the actors are doing a, a phenomenal job and trying to imagine what they their characters would be like in this world right so that's that's for vigo that's for Lisa to do and that's definitely for kirsten and those yeah. you would say main three yes percent they're on there the most biggest percentage on screen yeah okay there's there, there's a couple other supporting there is a concept of of, mm, I don't know if I want to go into that. Deep. No, don't. No, okay, don't. all right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll stay away from it. But yeah, there's some cool other characters. Okay, but the main three all, that's really good. Mm-hmm. The fact that you had these three main characters all holding their end, at mm-hmm. least what it sounds like. Yes, um, and definitely those are the good. ones worth the praise of products sure. of the environment, yeah. you know, or, or, or the environment of the film, mm-hmm. so... 
Sadly, I think uh, what maybe holds the movie back a little bit is the writing and script. There's a lot of techno babble. Techno babble is them throwing out a term that kind of means nothing. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just kind of filler and mm-hmm. actually just being an entry for exposition around the world. Details of just how do we get up to speed with the world. Okay, um, all right. Luckily, it really gets us up to speed in an extremely bizarre world. Like I said, there's a surprising amount of answers we get, cold cut answers to this film uh, of why things are they are the way they are. Which I like. Uh, yeah, yeah. As, and I think we need it because otherwise it'd be like, what the hell is going on yeah you know then so almost like there's really no payoff exactly yeah yeah uh, i think from a writing perspective it is a a touch weaker for me i think i'd be a lot more positive on the film if it just had a little bit less almost every scene mm. especially with this detective style of vigo going around and talking to people it's a, a person in the day of their life in this crazy world Throwing out a concept for Vigo, Vigo says it back with a question mark, and we get a block of dialogue explaining that. Ah, it's very simple structure. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I think it's. You want more from Cronenberg? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a little it's just it's a little bit amateurish uh, as far as the writing itself. That said, I think it gets a pass for me because not only did I enjoy finding out about the world, I think it's in service to deeply necessary. Yeah, exactly. There is there is a a, there is almost a necessity for us to have an understanding so that then a dramatic story can play out within the confines of this very very sci-fi world. Okay, you know this very misunderstood sci-fi world. So, yeah. That said, I, I would say. Cronenberg's vision of the future is is stunning, unrelenting, unrelenting, horrifying, visceral. Uh, I mean, these are. I feel like we've <laughs> I've repeated myself a lot with with the movies we covered this week, right. but Cronenberg really brought it home in a, in a big way. Uh, I can't stress enough. I mean, like this. I, I obviously didn't use the ten years just to create this film, but it mm-hmm. feels like momentum for Cronenberg, which, which I really crazy. like. The yeah. end of his career, but yeah. like he's not. Yeah, that's yeah. the best. Wow, exactly. So. Um, Clumsy in writing or not, uh, I was still fascinated with unpacking the world he created. And I think creating this noir story within the eyes of an artist is also unique to the film style as well. This was a movie I was dying to see again. I did see it again. And I'm glad I saw it twice this week in theaters. We're going to go ahead and give Crimes of the Future an 82. Wow, an 82%. Mm Mm-hmm. A great score. I can't tell you how happy I am <laughs> the to see this score. The Cronenberg. It, that's right. Yeah. It, absolutely. It, mm-hmm. How crazy is that? Oh, yeah. Again, not that it's not like, I don't want to knock the guy because he's sure. old or anything like that. You can obviously still make great products, but like mm-hmm. he's been in the game for so long. He stepped away from the game for a while, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they come back with this. And again, oh, yeah. I think it was a, a, a just he's been wanting to do it for years. Yeah. Whatever struck a chord with him now to do it. Awesome. Yeah. And, awesome. and again, it, it is a maybe not a must watch, but an 80s, you know, uh, Ooh, great movie. It's, it's a great, yeah. mo- great, great movie. Great movie just for just how bold the sci fi vision is. And I you bet know? you would say, again, maybe not for all audiences. Oh, for but sure. But you said the, the training wheels were helpful. Yeah. You're going to see some crazy stuff yeah. and some stuff that is disturbing enough where we have said, 
audiences walk out of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But definitely you say stick it out. I say stick it out. And, and, and again, uh, this isn't like what, when we covered men that I was like, oh, there's no answers here. You know, I yeah, mean, I, no, I was thinking about that. When you, you know, yeah, and there was that being unsatisfying yes. as well. Yeah. Uh, there was a satisfaction because you walk away and kind of have not encyclopedic knowledge, but right. a pretty good baseline knowledge of how this sci-fi world works. So what it really comes out, if you have a real issue with seeing weird body stuff, yes. stay away from it. Exactly. Okay. If, if any of Cronenberg's prior works is not your bag, ah, very then, true. then that that's a perfect benchmark. Wow, an incredible week, man. <laughs> this was this was one for you, one for me. You know? <laughs> no, this was a week for the fans. As yeah, well. I, yeah. I'm sorry. This is this is awesome. Yeah, I, I was real happy with this week, and, and and more than anything, I mean, very sci-fi heavy. That's that's this was kind of representative of the old days, you know, where Tom and I were just on the couch and I was going over movies I wanted to watch. You know, I so, uh, sought out to watch. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, in that ways, it was refreshing. And look at these f- fantastic scores, fans. Yeah. yeah. So. Before we wrap things up here, is anything else you want to add, Vin, or are we going to roll credits here? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, uh, again, more than anything, I was happy to kind of get uh, get a, a nugget of what what the podcast was pre-podcast, you know, what this idea was. And yeah. It was just me watching a lot of sci-fi. <laughs> so. Which is fine, though, especially yeah. with the array of weirdness we have and everything like that. So, Absolutely. Uh, Vin, we thank you so much for, for stopping by. And folks at home, I want to make one more pitch just because you know, Vin won't say it but i'll say it for him oh boy uh, no it's the fact that you can't say that time is not going into this not just to sit down for the podcast or get it on the site and, and everything like that five movies a week is a lot and yet we really do love movies here and mm-hmm. vin really does he watched two of these two more times <laughs> so the passion of the movies are here if you don't dis- if you if you disagree with the scores you can't say the thought and the consideration at least wasn't put into them we're not slapping ratings around all over the place we're not going to put up a rating on the first week of movie comes out and then change it a week later two mm-hmm. weeks later like mm-hmm. some other rotten places do measure twice cut once right um so i just want to also give that pitch again if you want to be if you're getting value from this uh could you also show us some value vin thank you so much for stopping by folks we're going to run it through one more time we have the man who fell from earth with a 68 percent brazil with an 87 uh, possessor with a 63 mad god with a 77 and we finish it off with crimes of the future with an 82 percent so folks we thank you so much for listening and producing and we'll see you next week on the daily ratings podcast if you enjoyed the podcast if you would give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. You'll get a producer mention on the next podcast episode, too. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast.